1: This is the story of America's bloodiest prison, told by the people who lived it, both inside and outside its gates. The brutal history, as you've never heard it before, from its origin as a slave plantation to its gradual growth as the bloodiest maximum security prison in America. To those outside its gates, it is known as Louisiana State Penitentiary at Angola, but to those who have spent time inside its gates, it's known as Bloody
0: Angola. Come with us as we take you through the gates and give you a first-hand look at not only the stories of the stabbings, rapes, executions, escapes, and murders you won't find on any TV show or the internet, but also the murders, abductions, attacks, and hostage situations of the staff and their families, otherwise known by the convicts as free people. Bloody Angola is a comprehensive
1: no-hold-barred podcast that takes you on a journey through time from its inception as a slave plantation to America's largest maximum security prison where 80% of its population will die inside the wire.
0: Get mentally prepared. Sit back and listen as we cover these stories in detail in ways that you've never heard before from
1: people that lived it, breathed it,
0: and died with it.
1: Bloody Angle. Warning, Bloody Angola is a
0: podcast covering actual events and is intended for mature audiences. The subject matter discussed in no way reflects the personal opinions of the host or sponsors of this podcast. Thank you. Hello,
1: everybody, and welcome to this episode of Bloody Angola, the podcast that is 142 years in the making. I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Jim Chapman, and we're your host, and we're going to take you along on this journey today. So, y'all, we're going to take you back to 1951 at Louisiana State Penitentiary at Angola, which at the time, of course, was known as Bloody Angola.
0: Yeah, uh, really bad time. It was kind of, uh, it was about 10 years after an escape, which we'll be talking about in another podcast, but uh Convicts and free people, right? Uh, guards, all those sorts of things, they were on two separate realms of the spectrum when it came to respect at that time. yeah, For sure. And the one place
1: you didn't want to be in that period, especially as a convict in 1951, was bloody Angola. And the conditions, there was no oversight, y'all. That um, It's not like it is today where you have – media and stuff like that. Nobody cared. These guys got sentenced to most of them to life at Angola. And it was fuck, it was harsh times. And they they used them for what they were, which is a commodity to work the plantation to produce things to offset their costs. Yeah. And it was also a time they didn't even have uh hot water. Oh no. They shit they didn't have anything. Hot water clean clothes. If you don't have hot water, how are you going to wash your clothes? Right. Right. And the conditions all day long, they had them out in the field doing what they call pushing the line. And you get up in the morning, they march you out to the tool sheds. They give you your tools. And yes, they had hose and sites and things like that. And they would put them in a line and all they did all day long was plan the season. They planted. it. and, Catch a, you know, a break? Uh, no, you didn't get breaks. You you got something to eat for lunch, like a piece of bread. But meanwhile, the whole time, you're underneath the gun uh, on, with the correctional officers on horseback, and they're pushing that line in the Louisiana heat, the Louisiana
0: cold, wind coming off the Mississippi River. Tough times. Yeah, and, and look, the attitude back then, and look, some people have the attitude now that, hey, these are prisoners. Most of them murderers uh or really really heinous crimes and so fuck them you know
1: rapists chomos child molesters murderers the worst of the worst right but the deal being there's a saying you can judge your society by how you treat your prisoners how that society treats the prisoners well in 1951 if that's the case america would have got a big fat
0: f yeah there's no doubt about it even today, uh, Ang- Angola is, is the largest prison, if I'm not mistaken, it, in, in the country. Absolutely. It's, it's over 18,000 acres. Yeah. And over, I think it's – or close to 7,000 prisoners. Yeah. It's, it's a whole bunch. But back then in
1: 1951, you know, the, the sole existence, the sole reason for Angola was to house the worst of the worst or who they said was the worst of the worst – but nobody wants to spend money on it. And I mean no money from clothes to to where they live. Like Jim said, no hot water. But, it, like, can you imagine pushing the line and being in the field all day long and then coming
0: back? Their living conditions, their sales were rat-infested. Just totally rat-infested. And, and uh, just to lay it out for all the listeners and viewers out there, uh, uh, and kind of give it a comparison to today when we're talking about like a supermax type prison. There's one in Arizona right now, and, it, and it's famous for housing the worst of the worst, from the Unabomber to uh, right. the, the Mexican drug lord, right, right. Uh, El Chapo. El Chapo. Yep. Um, you know, it houses the absolute worst in society. Well, that's what Angola was back in those days. That was where you sent the worst of the worst. Angola
1: was the supermax without the rules that the supermaxes have today. Yes. And, and the rat-infested cells, imagine this. You're sleeping, and you wake up, and there's a rat nibbling on your ear. Right. That's the kind of conditions they have. But guess what when, what do you do? You freak out. Maybe they ate some of them. I don't know because the food sucked. But the, you if you went to complain, guess what happened? You got your ass beat. Not only by the guards, but by other prisoners. And back then, they used prisoners that were at trustee status to help guard the other convicts. Yeah. And they beat the shit out of them. I believe they called them foremans. That's right. That's right. The foremans is what the word is. And so imagine this. If you are down for the rest of your life and you make the position of foreman, how much stroke do you have? From Everything from how much food a person gets, what job they get, what beatings they get. And if you, you don't like what the foreman said, they literally beat you. A lot of them, they beat them to death.
0: Yeah, and it was – you can only imagine, you know, I'm sure they were looking at the foremans as like an Uncle Tom or something right, like right, that. Right. And you're working for the man. But, but you, you
1: weren't going to say it because you asked to get killed. Now, no. the one thing the foreman didn't want to do was actually go as far as killing them because when you kill them, what are you doing? You're taking away the commodity, which that's what the prisoners were, a commodity that makes money, meaning uh, they produce something – to get back to Angola,
0: that's right. So they were more valuable alive, essentially than
1: yeah. And it's uh, not not just the, the the hands in the field, y'all. That's what they call them. But they even had the free people that live on the B line. And the B line in Angola is so far in the middle of nowhere. In the road to get back up there until the late nineties, when you turn off a of highway sixty one. That road is so curvy and so hilly going through the Tunica Hills. It would take you 40, 45 minutes to get up there. And then back in 51, shit, I, I couldn't even imagine. It was probably gravel. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, but right. the B-Line is where the free people lived, the convicts and their fam, Not the convicts, the uh, guards and their families. And so some of the inmates they the got assigned to work in these houses, and my mama lived there during this time. My my, my aunt was born on Angola. She would end up being uh, the longest tenure law professor for Southern University, and she's deceased now. But they lived on Angola on this beeline, and they had an inmate assigned to them that cooked for them and cleaned for them. And Jim, we were talking to my mama earlier, and she said one thing she remembers is the day her sister was born, Cynthia, that... My grandfather, who was the first parole officer stationed at Angola, um, had the inmate in the kitchen making biscuits. And my mama says she just never remembers seeing so many biscuits in her life. But that was a rarity. For most of them, they didn't have the nice white clothes to go to work. They, they were doing slave labor, and that's the fact.
0: Yeah, essentially that's what it was. And, you know, back then they, they kept records – of uh, uh, there were so many massive just deaths in Angola yeah, during that right. time from from all kinds every of day. different things every day every day um and the records they kept you'd find it interesting to know that twenty eight percent of those deaths during that time so you're talking more than one out of every four prisoners that died and there were a ton of them uh they wouldn't even list the cause of death that's right on their death certificate there's no cause like it.
1: If if the state executed somebody, at least they would put homicide by the state of Louisiana. But twenty eight percent had no cause. Well, Why do you think that is, y'all? Yeah, because and- some some of the ones. That, let me check this out, and and, and Jim, you do some of them because this blows my mind. The the deaths that were happening daily, and now remember, they didn't want to kill them, the necessarily because that's taken. A commodity away from Angola itself, but if you have so much brutality, so much like the the foremans that that are really don't answer anybody but to the occasional CO, the the human nature just takes control. You become animals, like and but they they show that the causes of death, not not the twenty eight percent that didn't have any causes, but check this out: some of the causes of death that were listed on these. Death certificates are hemorrhaging. I mean, fuck, that could be anything, right? Yeah. They, they, they bleed out. Cuts their, they cut their leg and bleed out. It could be a brain bleed. Of course, they didn't have uh, MRIs and shit back then. Then shock. shock. What the fuck? The, the, I mean, what happened so bad to you? You are already a bad motherfucker. But what happened so bad to you
0: that you die of shock? Yeah. Yeah, and it happened every day at Angola. Drownings. Drownings. Uh, And there was nowhere, we were talking about this earlier, nowhere to drown. There was
1: nowhere to drown. They had the showers, right? And the showers that they had, there was no hot water, but – the, they had it. I mean, these are on death certificates of inmate drownings. The only thing I can figure is they tried to hit the Mississippi River and drown, or maybe, like you said, somebody got a bucket of water and stuck somebody's head in it and drowned them. Yeah. Maybe like waterboarding to the extreme, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, how about this one? Accidental shootings. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can <laughs> tell you that shit
1: didn't happen. Okay, all. so let me, let me talk about that real quick. The policy is now, or was when I worked corrections, if you were in one of the guard towers of uh, the, and an inmate took off running, the, you had to fire a warning shot and then you had to shoot to stop. Technically they don't tell you to shoot to kill. If you're on pushing a line on horseback and an inmate runs off, same thing. You got to fire a warning shot, then shoot to stop. But if two, these inmates have weapons, they, they have tools, they have implements They have to sign out every day. If, Two inmates started fighting with weapons. You didn't have to fire one shot. You sh- you shot to s- allegedly stop, but I guarantee, you, you know, if you shot them in the head, nobody cared. But accidental shootings, yeah, somebody's <laughs> coming in their ass on that one, bro. The gun just went off. And then my gun, oh, yeah. What happened? Marty fight. Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> you just, this goes back, I mean, you know, it goes back to the mindset, y'all, of, Nobody cared about these people. No. If you can get away with putting a drowning or an accidental shooting on somebody's death certificate, you're just you just filling out paperwork at that point. And in like this this one, broken backs. This yeah. is actually another cause they listed: broken backs.
0: Broken backs. What the fuck? What kind I, of force I, do you have to use to break someone's I mean,
1: back? I mean, it's not like they're jumping off a roof or something. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, I, I can't even quantum that as an old homicide detective. I can't quantify how the hell you can get a broken back unless, I don't know, you run over by a horse or something. Uh, the shit, I, the I, I don't know. I don't get it. But it had happened. These, these are the ones that they, I guess they thought there may be something. Questions that are come back on, on this particular death of whatever say they actually took the time to list the causes. cause. Because the other 28%, they didn't give a fuck. Yeah, so that tells anything. you how bad those like, had to I be. I know. That's what they, they didn't be. even these, run. They were like, oh, shit, we might want to cover our ass on this one uh, and just list this. 99% of the inmates that died were buried uh, under a wooden cross that were made by inmates at the uh, Angola um graveyard because nobody came to claim their bodies. Yeah. And guess what? I'm sure they weren't reaching out to the family members to say, hey, uh, uh, Joe got a broken back and he's dead, right? I mean, yeah. uh, well, maybe they sent it by snail mail, right? There's no internet. And in long distance calling, if you remember back then, shit, you had to d- get an operator to do any kind of calling like that. The conditions were horrible. I mean, the causes of death, the the food, the the clothing and and it just reaches such a crescendo that at some point something had to go off.
0: Here's the interesting thing uh, about this whole situation: nobody knew this was going on. There was there was not media like there is today. Angola didn't have any
1: coverage. Uh, uh, that's extreme part of uh, West Feliciana, and back then, even you know it's black and white television. It was with rabbit ears. And the, the, it's not like media today. And I, right. I, I people will never get that, Jim. And, I, 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 and all our other podcasts we do and everything, I don't think people remember a world without the media like it is now. Yeah. Back then, these were like, you went to Angola, basically you were going to die there. You were a forgotten soul. Now, yeah. I'm sure somebody had a mama that loved them. And tried to see them and try to keep tabs on them, but guess what?
0: People had either written them off right. because of whatever yeah. it was that they did was just horrible. Obviously, if you ended up there, yeah. you know you were, you weren't cheating on your taxes. Yeah, no, know <laughs> <sure. You laughs> not, are, not go, that that's not horrible. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You didn't go up there for you know stealing a, a lollipop. I can tell you that there was no. No media coverage. No one really knew this was going on. And the inmates knew right. that no one really yeah. knew this was going right. on.
1: And they, and they lived it and they breathed it. And it was basically war every day to stay alive under the worst conditions in the history of the world, as far as I'm concerned, unless you go back to – in the history of the United States. And you go back to medieval times where they tortured people. But this, this is just animalistic behavior fucking out-the-box. Not only are you getting beat or you're always under the threat of being raped and murdered, they're working you like dogs and, or slaves in the field. And they kill you. you know? yeah. And and then they write some bullshit off. But at some point, I like to think if I'd have been there at some point, I'd have been like, fuck you, I've had enough. I want to do something about this. But the problem is, you got your foreman, you got your correctional officers. And they, I mean, they see if somebody stepped out of line before or tried to buck up. That's what they call it, y'all, in the prison system. Anytime an inmate does something to stand up for themselves or to ride or whatever, they call it bucking up. So they see other person talk back to the foreman, bucked up on him, and they fucking killed him. But at some point, collective masses,
0: you I mean, it's human nature. I think
1: they had to do something.
0: Yeah, and so they get together, you know, basically they say, what do you do? What do we do? What do we do? We have no options here. Nobody knows this is going on. Uh, Our friends, you know, these these prisoners, they have friends that are prisoners, and they're dying left and right. There's not a fucking thing anybody's doing to stop it, and you can't tell anybody what do you do what do you do and
1: then dying left and right in the worst ways possible and the ones who aren't dying probably wish they were dead yeah. The suicides were probably were, were just everyday thing too the, the people that just gave up but the other ones they're like holy shit you know rats are eating on me I got no clean clothes they work me all day and, and, and to, to death they, they beat me if I do anything. Uh, uh, the guards and and other prisoners are beating me. Rapes are, are relevant, But at, at some point, even like today in prisons, the people get together with their own gangs. There's no blood and crips in, in the prison together. They get together as one big gang. And then, the you know, the white supremacists get together and the Mexicans get together. Well, back then, they started to form little groups. I would say it's for protection.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And there was one group in particular, and we'll do an episode about this at at some point, but they were known as red hats. Yes. They were kind of the worst of the worst. Yep.
1: And, and the, it's just human nature. You get together to survive. Two is stronger than one. Three are stronger than two. And this, this happens, y'all. They started having groups because of the conditions were so bad. And you know what? You got nothing to lose, really, because you're probably going to get murdered anyway uh, or work to death or whatever. But they started to get together, and they came up with the idea to get as many razor blades as they could. Now, how do you get that? Okay, well, remember when we told you back in the episode, the walls, they made them shave uh, uh, like almost every day and get hair.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread? soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
1: Cuts and stuff like that. And even today, uh, the inmates can request razors, and they give them these disposable razors, and they're supposed to get it back. Well, the guards don't always check. So back then, they started
0: getting razor blades and stockpiling them and saving them. And they had an idea. As dumb as some of their crimes might have been and as stupid as, uh, as they may have been to commit them, it clicked. What's the best way to get back at this system? What will get the most attention? The attention is the main thing. And at the same time, hurt the institution.
1: What can we do? Now, this is when they start forming for survival. What can we do that not only will hurt Angola, but it
0: will cause attention to our situation, which is everything we've already told y'all. Yeah. They were trying to think of the most grotesque thing they could do that wouldn't kill them.
1: Right. Because anything,
0: you know what, They Anything less? that they, they wouldn't, like— it
1: wasn't like if they went on a hunger strike, anybody would have gave a fuck, you know, yeah. the, uh, or whatever. So they got all the razors together and they form
0: they developed a plan. Yeah, and that plan basically was: we'll all slice our Achilles heel, slash it. That makes my it just made my Achilles hurt. Yeah, when you said that uh Everybody knows where your Achilles heel is located. There's a tendon there that runs straight down, uh, runs in the back of your back of your leg, down past your ankle. Uh, that's your Achilles tendon. and it actually runs all the way up your leg and yeah. um, they slashed it,
1: took the razor blades and sliced their own Achilles. Yeah. It's the, bad that's stuff. crazy. That's desperate. That's desperate. And so, but, but when it starts, they you start doing it. I mean, I, I'm sure the people that were in power there had no idea. They're like, okay, well, there's one, then there's another, and then there's another, and
0: the number grew. It and did. What their ultimate goal was? We need to get attention on the conditions. And we know that one person doing it, they can sweep that under the rug, right? right one guy right, does it. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. just a nut that's job. Shit,
1: that's no different than somebody drowning or a broken back or whatever. Yeah. But what if 26
0: do it in one day? <laughs> then you got a, then you got a, <laughs> then you got a problem and that's exactly what happened. 26 inmates uh, slashed their Achilles heel. Then it became 27. Yep. It's not like one person committing suicide. This is
1: 26, then 27, and then ultimately 31 did it. And they did it because it hurt Angola and the people at the head of it were like, holy shit, that's 31 hands we don't have in the field making us money.
0: There's the other side of that. And, uh, you know, it's one thing for them to do it. Uh, it's another thing to have them out of the field. You've got thirty-one inmates that all of a sudden ain't ain't uh, hoeing hoeing fields out there doing whatever it is they do. That's right. Costs you money. It, it costs you money, and and they're out for like eight
1: to twelve months, but you still got to feed them, you still got to house them, and now you got inmates that are in their cells during the day. That they got to be guarded that aren't in the field. It's costing them money, and. That you know, money talks, bullshit walks, right? But it's costing them money. But it got outside the wire, people. And when the public found out, holy shit, even in 1951, even if you were a shitbag that went to Angola to die, nobody could, just like it made my Achilles hurt when we're talking about it, people responded.
0: Yes, they did. The news, you know, put yourself – in a position today, even today, if that happened, East Baton Rouge Parish Prison had, or even Angola today, had right. thirty-one prisoners do that. You better believe tomorrow, everybody, including the governor, would be in Angola. wanting to be know? Be what's there. Going they're going to
1: have oversight committees. They're going to uh, investigate it. They're going to and they're going to find out what the problem is. Because you know what? If thirty-one people slash their Achilles heels,
0: that's a that's a cry for help. Yeah, that's as about as grotesque as you can get and you're doing it to yourself. And so the media attention did come, you know, even back in those days when news traveled slowly, it would spread. It spread it from one news source to another. And they may started seeing that. And when they did, uh, they came up with another plan and they said, wow, if we got this much attention, slice them one Achilles heel, what if we do both? Can y'all believe that? Both, both Achilles. Hills.
1: I mean you basically are crippling yourself
0: for life. Yeah. Yeah. And the news media went ballistic. Yes. News media just
1: didn't get access to Angola back then, okay? Yeah. They how powers that be. They didn't give a fuck. They, yeah. they, you could come up there and say, oh, I'm trying to do a human human interest piece. They're like, well, fuck you. Yeah. you get out. They, 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 we have our own rules. We live our own shit. But then it's sneaking out that all these people are slicing their Achilles. And it got out, y'all. The news got a hold of it. And one inmate described it this way. He said, it didn't hurt Much, He said it was just a sting when I started cutting. But when that tendon snapped loose, it flew up my leg, Mm. and it was the worst pain imaginable. Just snapped. Snapped. I'm telling you, it's making my shit hurt right now, and I'm thinking I'm doing it. You, on camera, you can see you hit that, and I can see you know, starts to cut, burns yeah. a little bit and when that bitch takes off because it pops. It's
0: under tension, yeah. It pops up your leg. Holy shit! So that pain basically starts, at, say the the right at your ankle, works its way up past your calf, working its way up down the back of your thigh, and it's a pop. It's it's like busting a rubber band yeah. in yep. half. Yeah. How desperate do you? Uh, be I was gonna, gonna that? say, but how bad did it have to
1: be for you to cut your shit, and then on top of it to cut both of them? Yeah, that's like people saying they sliced on the third shot. Uh-uh. If you bad enough to slice one Achilles heel, you're a bad dude. You 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 have that you feeling when it? It, it shoots up inside your leg it, it, towards your penis and everything is just on fire and you, you're about to pass out, but then you're going to turn around and slice the other one? Yeah. You are under dire circumstances, my You're father. King Kong in the prison <laughs> system. Know, there ain't no doubt I about that. It's, it's so bad. Well, <laughs> I mean, the only other option I, I would think in the brain is death. Yeah. and and But death – happened every day and didn't get the response that the Keeley's
0: heels got. Well, and and as yeah, I guess they expected, it got so much attention. It, it put pressure on the governor, basically. That's right. That's right. Governor of the state of Louisiana put a lot of pressure on and, him. And in March
1: of 1951, the governor formed a committee to investigate the inmates' charges because it was under the media pressure. The committee included reporters, judges, Nurses, reformers, and even Negro leaders, and then I was like thirty-four people at all on the committee. Right?
0: It was a huge deal. And let's take let's take you back, folks. This is nineteen fifty-one, right. so there's no civil rights still Mm-mm. at this particular point in time yet. They included Negro leaders, and the reason I, you know, I would think that they did that is because even at that time. Now it's damage control for the governor. Right. Governor's Absol- freaking out Absolutely. because this is this is I'm sure national attention by this point. They right. they slicing in both of their Achilles. The
1: Governor's got to get elected
0: too, and goes back yes. to you 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 judge your society by the way you treat your inmates. That's right. So it's a it's it's become a major embarrassment. They're trying to clean it up, and to the governor's credit, he used people that would be kind of experts in what was going on: judges, uh, nurses. The media that could Reformers. It. Yes, uh, media. Uh, 34 people in all. And, and the reformers
1: being the people that have all, had always been advocating for changes and improvements in Angola, but their cries fell on deaf ears. But the governor, who's got to get elected again, hears about it. I mean, any human being hears about people slicing their Achilles, unless you're a serial killer, and would care about that. Even, the, even if it's prisoners in Angola, but the governor, like you said, Jim, is smart enough to bring together this committee of all walks of life, so nobody was left out, and let them deal with it.
0: Yeah, he right. knew at this point that any type of cover up that that would have you know not that he would attempt that, but even if he did, it would be obvious. He wasn't going to put you know guards and say here he'd be on this yeah, committee. Yeah, and, yeah, but
1: the and the kicker y'all what the governor did not expect is what the committee was going to find and holy shit media tried to come up before they could turn away and all that but guess what they couldn't turn away the governor sent these 34 people in i I don't even think the governor had any idea what was going to come out of this and they go in and they investigate and they talk out and they find about the conditions and
0: holy shit yeah, so basically, uh, the governor got together, and he said, there's something going on at this prison. We want to hear, you know, we're going to hear these prisoners out. I mean, if they're desperate enough to cut their Achilles heel, we want to find out why, wow. and we want to try to rectify it. So he put together the committee, and their job was to basically find infractions and in in, in when I say infractions, I mean things way out of the box of just everyday business basically, when it comes to dealing with people like
1: violations against human nature. Yes. Uh, 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 the way there is there is a root cause of why these people are slashing their heels. Yes. And, and that's what he did.
0: So uh, we're gonna we're gonna list uh, or we're gonna talk to you about some of those infractions and what they found if an inmate failed to follow orders. So that could be any order. Any order. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and y'all, now they have low court and high court write ups in in the prison system for uh, failure to follow orders or breaking the rules of low court, being anything from not making you bed or whatever to high court, uh, you raped somebody or attacked an officer. But back then, they didn't have all that. Right. So, but if
0: you failed to follow an order, that's right. You you got, you got, (laughs) Yeah, you got what shit you didn't want coming. You were about to pay, and, uh, and it could be something as slight as just not making your bed. So yeah. if if that inmate said, I'm not going to make my bed, the guard would say, okay. He'd be forced to lay Spread Eagle on the floor, and his arms and legs, picture this, y'all, would be held out by other prisoners. So he'd grab some of these guys' boys, right, and right. he'd say, hey— I want you to grab his legs. I want the other one to grab his arm, so he can't kick and he can't move his arms behind him and block whatever it is they're about to do.
1: And right, imagine when this is going on. To painting the picture for you, this inmate knows it's coming and he's seen it happen before. Yes. he ain't going down willingly. That's so right. So he's having to get his the the person in charge, even if it was a foreman is getting other inmates to hold him down against his will and I'm sure he was crying and screaming no no please don't do it please don't do it.
0: So according to the report a prison official would then beat the inmate with a leather whip which they referred to as a bat for a minimum a minimum of 30 blows 30 blows
1: with the strap or the bat. Yeah. That is bad shit.
0: Yeah, a leather whip.
1: Yeah. Uh, now think about that. 30 lashes or blows. And now when this happens, it's not only going to tear through your clothing. It's going to tear through your skin. It's going to, if you don't pass out from the pain, you must be Superman. But get, And it's your friends that are holding you down.
0: Yeah, and this particular uh, form of discipline, according to the report, every single prisoner ended up in the hospital infirmary That's right. or in the prison infirmary.
1: And the the reason they did
0: thirty blows, y'all, is because thirty one would
1: have killed them. Yeah, and and but thirty blows, they send them to the hospital, the infirmary for a couple of days, then they put them right back to work. Yeah, right there they, in the they report. didn't want to kill them. It's so a commodity. That's right. That's 30, right. They had it to science. 30 blows is is about the most a person could take without dying. Yep. But guess what? Some of them did die from a shock. Yeah. It's, on, it's, it's been listed. And then some that weren't even listed, I yeah, would imagine. Yeah, yeah, were, were some some of, it, it may have been a lot more than 30 blows on some of them, right? But, you know, Jim, going to the next one, um, they had sweat boxes. Now, my daddy— actually told me about this my daddy uh, my grandfather was the, the the district attorney that prosecuted anything that happened in Angola and at one point when he was fresh out of law school my daddy was the assistant district attorney underneath him and he said he was up there on a murder case and that's the first time he saw all the sweat boxes and holy shit. that basically y'all the sweat boxes were used to torture prisoners and they were it was a four-foot by four-foot enclosure with a tin roof, and then mostly they're out in the fields. Let's say you're doing whatever on the line. They pull you off the line. They throw you in this tin sweat box at the hottest time of the day, and most of them were left in there for at least 12 hours, and that's where your deaths from heat exhaustion and all that come in but the, my daddy saw him. He said, "What? I saw it. And he said, and he, when they brought that prisoner out and I saw, he, he said, you smell it. I, I thought to myself, there's no way somebody can live inside of that.
0: It's, it's really unbelievable. And let me tell you how hot tin roofs get from experience. I have a, a lean to shed that I built on the back of a larger shed that I built. And they have the tin on the top. It's just rolled tin, And, uh, Roll Timmy, y'all it has like waves in it. Yeah, last weekend I went out there to grab my lawnmower, and it was probably hundred degrees outside. I it was a noticeable difference when I stepped four feet into that thing because the the, the reflects that that intensifies the sun and the heat, right? It becomes a microwave, right? 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 right. Yeah. so
1: it just fries it. It it, it, it superpowers the sun, yes, and, and it absorbs it, absorbs it, and then projects it. Downwards. Holy shit. Yeah, and they even, microwaved them. And if you're not from Louisiana, I'm gonna tell you something. This past Saturday, I, I uh, my dad and them guy couldn't come to cut the grass, and they're having somebody come take pictures. I cut grass for six hours in the middle of the day, hydrating a lot. I got in my truck, it was a hundred and four degrees. On the thermometer, but with the heat index is 114. Now this is in not an agriculture field. You take that, you put it by the humidity of the Mississippi River and the swamps and everything else, and where these sweat boxes were, and it is a oven on steroids. Yeah, and I can't explain the heat. The humidity would make the 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 heat so much worse, at least 10 to 15 degrees hotter than it was. But inside these boxes. 150, 160 degrees. No doubt in my mind. No doubt. They they essentially microwave. Yeah, yeah. You could fry. It. You could break an egg on on top of that piece of tin and fry it all day long. You cook a steak on it.
0: You don't need need the fire. That's right. And uh, there was many prisoners that actually died. Yeah. In those the, sweatboxes. They they they, they they
1: they guess what? They didn't even know they were dead until they went and opened the door at the end of the twelve hours went to pull them out and they were cooked. Yeah. like a sausage yeah right the guards didn't pull them out they would have had another inmate come pull them out cooked sweat boxes craziest
0: crazy AF yeah and if you think if you think it it couldn't get any worse it, it can and it did and there was there was another uh incident that they would do as discipline to these inmates that was on that report they would use what they called a whipping post definitely yeah so let me describe to all of you what a whipping post is. It would be a post, it would be in the shape of, say, a T. They would handcuff them to that whipping post and they would just beat the shit out of them. Beat them
1: without mercy. Now, I'm going to go back, real back to the sweat boxes. Everybody, when they put somebody in a sweat box, they did it in front of all the other convicts. All right. It's, it also serves as a deterrent. It, but when they took you out, if you were dead, so what? Everybody knew about the sweat box. But motherfucker, you got hooked to this whipping post, and they did it where everybody could see it. And they didn't beat you with their fists. You go back to the strap, the the bat, whatever, and they beat you. And They beat you till they got tired of beating you. And then they would have inmates beat you. Yeah. And and uh, of course, they you're got handcuffed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you always you can't move. You can't move. And 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 they would have inmates beat them until they got tired of watching the inmates beat them. And, yeah. And in front of everybody, now y'all are tearing of flesh and and you can only the human body can only take so much for you. You're going let's go back to the death certificate. Shock. I guarantee you that's where these come from. The shock of the beating. The at a certain point, the human body is just going to give the fuck up. You you, you go into shock. And then you forget to breathe and everything else, and you die.
0: You're having to stand up, right, because you're not on the ground. So you're standing up, and they're just beating the hell out of you all day long. And it's finally up. night. Nighttime's coming, so uh, this is finally going to end. Nope. Nope. It's not. They left you there, they, they, and they did it. But I, I'll tell you this.
1: They beat you, and if you would start to go into shock, they would stop. Yeah, because it doesn't do any good as a deterrent to other inmates, or it doesn't do any good as punished for, for you if you can't remember the pain. So you pass out. Now – There's no fake passing out, people. If you act act like, oh shit, I'm act like I'm passed out, no. The next lick that hits you, you're gonna cry out. They're gonna know for real when you're passed out. Yeah, and they beat you to right to the point where you passed out, or if you passed out, then they wait till you woke up and they beat you again.
0: That's it. Left you day and night, day and night. Left you out there. Next day, beating on you again. Hey, 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 repetitive. And they're not feeding you. And I'm not giving you water.
1: You are there, and, I mean, it is like...
0: Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell.
1: In just a few weeks, DraftKings Sportsbook will be live in Ohio. Right now, all new customers will receive $200 in free bets when you sign up today using code SWING. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-589-9966. 21 and over and physically present in Ohio. Eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. Subject to regulatory licensing requirements. One per new customer. $200 issued as $825 free bets. No purchase necessary for sweepstakes. Void where prohibited. Ends first day DraftKings is allowed to operate in Ohio. See terms and official rules at DKNG.co OH. I've I've never heard of any shit like that, right? And and in the mindset though, that's the way it was. Yeah, they beat you till you pass out, beat you some more, leave you out there for days on the end until they thought you were going to die. So when you got to the point that you were, you were starving. You were starving. Yeah, it's like three days you can
0: go without eating maximum yeah. before you before you die. So you think. Okay, I'm to the point of starving. I'm, I'm, I'm totally exhausted. I've been out here for days. Uh, they would pour Epsom salt down your mouth. And imagine that. Just to dry you out. Imagine that.
1: Like, if you weren't already dried out enough, you're starving. You're at death's door and to take it and compound the the horror even further. Now, y'all, this wasn't done behind closed doors. This is done where everybody could see it. They were making a point. Right when you're at death's door, they hold your head back or get other convicts to hold your head back and they pour Epsom salt down you. They force it down your
0: throat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so... Those were the things, the kinds of things that they were discovering, this committee. Tell them about the Red Hats, Woody, and, and uh, what what their conditions were like. Those of you who don't know, and we'll,
1: we'll expound on it again in later episodes, the Red Hats' hat cell block was the worst place in Angola, I guess, besides death row. And later on, that would transform to the infamous Camp J, in the red hats cell block and i can tell you i can see it in my mind's eye because i've been there that the long end of this uh, dirt road and it sits on the right hand side it's a single story it's small by comparison uh, um today's cell blocks small white building and it's where the worst of the worst were housed in angola okay uh, um you talk. You think the conditions were bad, in the rest of the prison red cell block made them look like a five star hotel. Where the the rest of the the prison, a, a lot of the uh, Angola, the camps were dormitory style and stuff. It, and some of them were cell blocks. The red hat cell block was confinement cells. All right, there were no lights. It's like a dungeon. The, I mean, literally, you walked in, and when I walked through that cell block. It was still, you couldn't see Dick. It was dark, uh, except for the light coming through the squares on the door on either end. It was horrible, and it was a place you didn't want to be. But it was like a dungeon, and the rats were so bad, they said that the floor appeared to move by itself. It's just unimaginable. But, but you know what?
0: Rats got to eat. Yeah. Why are rats there? Rats gotta eat. The guards would basically, you know, they'd have to feed inmates, but they didn't have to feed them. You know, t-bone steaks, you, right? No, you shit. got whatever the hell. You got
1: the worst of the
0: worst. Yeah, now. the worst of the worst, and, and especially the red hat cell block, which housed the the worst of the worst as far as prisoners of that time. They would serve them dinner in buckets. Just it was described as stinking, stinking buckets. Just. Disgusting! It, like it would gag buckets. you if you smelled it. Yeah, yeah. The worst smell times 10. And, and the food was so nasty, it would slosh. Right. It's like a bucket. slop.
1: It's not like it was a piece of cornbread here and some greens here or whatever. It was firming, rotten maggots, you know, that horrible death smell you get. And it's in these stinky-ass buckets. Now, the, these— Convicts that were in these cells, they're in there not for the crime they committed on the outside. They're in there for how what they did or what it was perceived that they did inside. And the worst offense would be attacking a guard or killing another inmate or whatever. And one of them was in there because a free person said the inmate rubbed up against his daughter's butt. Like to it, the
0: rats are there for a reason. Yeah, so these these buckets would be carried in by these guards, and you know they didn't give a shit. They had to they had to feed them, but it didn't matter how they right. did it. So they basically take these buckets, they would just chunk them in there, and that bucket would hit the floor, and that food would go everywhere, slosh out, just right. slosh out the disgusting smelling buckets, and you're basically fighting the rats for the, for food. the food. That is fucked up. Yeah, I and could, so many rats. The floor looks it. like it's moving. The,
1: the floor is moving with rats. You are on your hands and knees trying to suck up anything you can. Because here's the deal: you're at death door, and when you are starving, people. I'm not talking about having a little hunger pain. I'm talking about you are starving. You're nutrient deficient. You are absolutely going to die if you don't eat. So you're gonna, you're sucking up maggots. You're sucking up whatever the slop is. You might bite into a rat, get in a rat, but you're literally fighting the rats for your sustenance to survive.
0: Yeah, it was it was really bad. And these are the findings. Y'all, these ain't me and Woody's words. Right. These are the findings of that committee. Committee that's governor appointed. So this is this is this is real. Yeah. This it, happened. Yeah, this
1: that, this is not sugarcoating shit. This is no. this is what these people found. And these people didn't have a dog in a fight. Remember there were judges. Uh there were some advocates advocators who would want it better for the prisoners, but
0: they it was People from all walks of life, the 34 people,
1: they didn't make this shit up.
0: Yeah. 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 And, and you know, folks, this was 1951. 1951. This, this was not, you know, this is one generation removed from me and Woody's generation, basically. That's, that's right. Well, uh, I mean, our, parents, shit, were, our parents were yeah.
1: in, in, in that time frame.
0: That's right. So this is uh this is something that you would think happened in the eighteen hundreds before we were a civilized society and all those sorts of things. No, this was this was nineteen fifty one. Sickening but interesting
1: that you know, but everything gets changed and brought to light, right? Yeah. Like Wherever you work, people, you have a policy and procedure manual, and every policy and procedure is in there because somebody fucked something up, and they had to make a rule about it. And that's the same thing in 1951, how this came to the head. And we're going to read you an article now, and then we'll conclude this episode. So the article says, on February 26, 1951, the front page of the New Orleans times Picayune carried the headline, Angola Officials deny brutalities a released prisoner passed on the word that several prisoners had slashed their tendons on their heels in order to avoid hard work in the fields and further punishment the article reported 18 prisoners were hospitalized for slashing their tendons with razor blades to avoid beatings and brutal work
0: conditions reports a day later put the number at 31 prisoners who slashed their tendons, at which point the paper called for an independent investigation. Most of the prisoners had served weeks or months in the Red Hat solitary confinement
1: cells. And within days, another six slashed their tendons, and the governor of Louisiana decided to appoint a special committee to investigate the conditions at Angola. The committee discovered the conditions at Angola through powerful, explosive, and damning testimony provided to the committee
0: by an unimpeachable source. And that unimpeachable source was Miss Ma- Margaret Daughtery, an Irish nurse employed at Angola. Miss Daughtery, a registered nurse in Angola for seven and a half years, told the committee Angola was, get this, y'all, a sewer of degradation and still in the dark ages. She said men live in
1: huge dormitories that are filthy and stink like the hold of a slave ship. She testified about sexual abuse of new prisoners, beatings, and whippings. Of the nearly 7,000 men discharged from the penitentiary since she was employed there, Miss Daugherty said she never saw one who was as qualified to enter society as he was The
0: day he was admitted, this is the true brutality of Angola. Daughtery produced an envelope of heroin and nude pictures, which she said she brought inside the prison for $5. She also asserted that few employees are qualified for their positions. So, y'all, when the committee went in
1: and investigated this, certainly they talked to inmates, certainly they saw... Uh, some of the conditions. I would think that the guards would clean some shit up. It's kind of like when you were looking for weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, right? You're going to clean some shit up before they get there. But this lady, and I'm going to put a personal touch on you for you. This nurse, Miss Margaret, went in to testify. She was the only nurse that worked in the infirmary at Angola. And my mama told me about her. Remember, my mama lived on Angola at this time. Where well, she was raised on the beeline with the free, paper, free people inside the wire. My mama said that the inmates or the convicts called Nurse Margaret the angel because she was the one when their tendons were slashed. She was the one that they saw first,
0: and she sewed them back up. One thing that really needs to be impressed upon is there's a lot of ways to sweep things under a rug. But when you have someone that's a nurse that was of her character, you can't overcome that. She was the proof, right? Because a prisoner that had been released is how they even found out this was going on. That's right. The prisoner contacted the media as soon as they got out, which may have been the next day, and said, This is going on. They started investigating. She came forward. And another thing that that I would like to read from her is Daugherty saw this magnitude of suffering because there were often no doctors in Angola. That's right. Just like what Woody just said. That's right. She performed surgeries administered shots, stitched up wounds, and even delivered the babies of woman prisoners. Days after she testified, Daugherty resigned from Angola. Later, she explained that she told the truth, despite the fact that the warden insisted that she lie and tried to bribe her in addition to a threat from a local sheriff to prosecute her. The committee also heard reports of whipping by a few of the guards, which Woody will tell you about it. Former prison captain or overseer who was called
1: to testify admitted that he himself had flogged a prisoner until his arms were tired and then given the whip to a younger relative who had flogged until he was tired and the younger man had returned the whip to the captain who meanwhile, had regained enough strength to finish the punishment. The victim of this outburst was a Negro his offense, as stated by the captain, was he brushed against my daughter.
0: Wrap your mind around that. Perceived offense, all perceived offense. And this is from the prison captain himself.
1: Right? He's yeah, admitting. And, to and, yeah, he's admit it. he's admitting. But that's the mindset. When, when, when we give, when we tell you the warning ahead of the show, when we say Negro and, and stuff like that, shit. This is how it was. The women being raped and their babies coming out and, and being properly stated. Now this wasn't in 1951, but all this sick shit, that's how it was. This captain, he admitted to you, you know why? Because he didn't think he was doing anything wrong. He said, hey, black man, I'm sure it was one of the guys, that, like my mama said, they had the cooks inside their house that cooked and cleaned for all the free people. And I'm sure either his daughter said "Uh, he brushed up against me or maybe he saw it. And guess what? You were a black man. You brushed up against a white girl in 1951, or the years just prior. You got flogged.
0: That's right. And uh, they saw no problem with a And
1: it had to be in one, his mind. It was justified. And it had to be somebody that he trusted enough to bring inside his house to be with his family every day. But you couldn't do it if you accidentally brushed against my white girl daughter. You didn't. No matter how long you've been serving my family, we putting your ass up on the tree in front of everybody. Yeah. And you're going to, I'm going to beat you till I get tired. Then I'm going to have my relative beat you till he gets tired. Then I'm going to beat you some more. Not be, just beat y'all flogging. Talk about tearing in the skin and the clothes and the worst damn thing you could have happen to you in my mind,
0: besides being burned alive. Yeah. Uh, and this was real shit. We're not making any of this up. This is yeah. right out of the report. Uh, I want to go on in that report because uh, this, the committee, of course, they're hearing all this, and they describe this physical punishment as medieval. That's how they describe it, it medieval runs. times.
1: Some raw shit.
0: Uh, they made a reference at this point. Of one of the most What they termed as pathetic victims And that was one of the harsher cases And it was a 61 year old man Who had been lashed With a leather strap 15 or 20 times Until he lost consciousness Then they went on to describe Windowless concrete boxes No bigger than a small clothes closet That held as many as Seven at a time Yes and then y'all Think about
1: that there was no air conditioner. There wasn't even fans. You put seven men in a windowless box the size of a closet. I don't even imagine you could sit down, you probably had to all stand up.
0: Yeah. It just in smell smelling think about it. I hey, mean you just gotta, from you the sweat urinate and defecate and, yeah.
1: and everything else. Yeah,
0: your bodily functions don't stop hey, you're in a box. You gotta breathe that shit. Then literally. You literally. Yeah, so their conclusion in 1951 uh, was that physical brutality caused the heel slashings and that physical, mental, emotional, and moral brutality was established beyond question. Uh, They recommended the abolition of corporal punishment and the solitary confinement in dungeons – the establishment of programs for rehabilitation and a merit system for hired personnel and the segregation of dangerous or vulnerable inmates from the rest of the prisoners. So what they were concluding with that was maybe if we separate the absolute worst, you know, the guys that killed 20 people from the guys that killed one person. They were basically in their mind saying that these, you know, the bad apple was spoiling the bunch. Right. So if we separate them from everybody else, you know, maybe that would kind of help things out. And and also trying to give the free people,
1: the guards, some type of merit system, some some type of incentive to not act like fucking animals, right, or or not to just beat somebody because you, you perceive that they rubbed up against your daughter, an old man at
0: that. Just because the committee recommended these things, y'all didn't
1: mean they were all put in place.
0: That's right. That's right. It was a recommendation, and it was it was from a, a, a large conglomerate of people over thirty, and uh, and that was what they recommended happen. The important thing was they acknowledged right there were that, issues at bloody Angola, exactly
1: right, and that's because of the the convicts who finally formed up together. And slice their Achilles' heels. <sighs> Ouch. The Hill,
0: The Hill string gang. The That's Hill what they string
1: were dubbed. Gang. That's what they called them in the media. That's garnered national attention. The governor sent in the people. They made the recommendations. Well, you know what? They may not have changed any of it, um, but the convicts got the
0: attention. That was a brutal story. Harsh, harsh brutal harsh harsh story. but true people
1: and that nothing that we said today has been false yeah so. i think i think that's a good wrap to that's that. a, man that's, a, that's tough shit talking <laughs> about man with the time flew by on it yeah. right i'm a guy so y'all we hope you enjoyed it um your second episode of bloody
0: angola we'll be bringing you more soon if you think that's bad we got more on the way that are really blowing oh, yeah. my mind. Absolutely. Every episode is going to be different.
1: In these beginning episodes, I think we have to, to paint a picture for them like we did in the history episode and paint a picture for them of some of the things that were going on. This is not how the whole podcast is going to be. We're going to tell you individual stories of all this, the stuff. But in the beginning, we got to paint that mass canvas of Angola yeah. and what was going on overall.
0: Uh, we have a Facebook page. You can check that out. Uh, it's just Bloody Angola. You punch that in, it'll pull up the Facebook page. Our website. Not only can you get information, uh, it'll have all our episodes posted on there, but you can also see our sponsors, and it has a good description of you know their individual business and what they bring to. Uh, the community that they're in, and please check that out because these guys really support what we yes, do here. Yes, and look, and gals.
1: every one of our sponsors, we back them 1,000%. We are actually customers, friends, and these people are the best at what they do,
0: period. Yeah. So you can get all that on the website. There is a video version on YouTube of this entire episode, and it's going to be uh, pretty in depth. What you're going to get out of that video episode is you'll see pictures as we're describing. If we're talking about, uh, you know, a, a prisoner getting that's handcuffed to a to a whipping post. Don't be surprised if you see a picture That's or right. one and the, the red hat cell block. That's and, right, and all the different things. That's right. So there is a video version, but of course you can catch it also on all audio formats: Spotify, Apple Podcast, and, and
1: anywhere audios. you can listen to a podcast. Yeah, go download, like, and subscribe to Bloody Angola and Instagram also.
0: Yeah, Instagram. We've got an Instagram up at Bloody Angola. And uh and also, you know, we'll be showing pictures and things like that that you won't be able to get anywhere else. So check right. that out.
1: Love, love, love.
0: All right, y'all, and I'm Woody Overton, and
1: I'm Jim Chapman. And we're your hosts of Bloody Angola, the complete story of America's bloodiest prison.
0: 142 years in the making. Peace. <laughs>